We read the word of the Lord this morning, congregation, in two places. Uh, First, in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. We'll begin reading at verse 6 through the end of the chapter. And then we're also going to read the word of the Lord as we find it in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 6, beginning at verse 25. The message this morning in this season of thanksgiving has to do with the petition in the Lord's Prayer, Give us this day our daily bread. I hope I'm not stealing anything from your gathering on Thanksgiving Day as as far as the Word of the Lord is concerned. But I'm also preaching on Thanksgiving, and as an interloping preacher, uh, I'm practicing for this coming Thursday, the Lord willing. So... Bear with me. We're going to read, first of all, the word of the Lord as we find it in Deuteronomy chapter 8 at verse 6. Let's listen together to this word the Lord speaks to us. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, that flows out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes, which I command you today. Last, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish." As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, you shall perish, because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. And then we read also God's word as we find it in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Listen again to this word of the Lord. 
Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So far our reading of God's word. I invite you also to turn... In the back of the Psalter hymnal to page 62, page 62 in the back of the Psalter hymnal, Lord's Day 50, which deals with the fourth petition in the Lord's Prayer. In Lord's Day 50, the question is asked, what does the fourth request mean? And we confess, give us this day our daily bread means, do take care of all our physical needs so that we come to know that you are the only source of everything good, and that neither our work and worry nor your gifts can do us any good without your blessing. And so help us to give up our trust in creatures and to put trust in you alone. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, I once heard some years ago a quip by a well-known Christian theologian that said, imagine the dilemma if you were not a believer in God, an atheist. Thankful, but no one to thank. You would actually be a person like someone who would say, Life has been good to me. What do you mean, life has been good to you? God is the overflowing fountain of all good. Not life. God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, He has dealt bountifully with me. Now, in a sense, that's the reason I think it's particularly important for us as God's people as we think about giving thanks. Notice the language itself. We give thanks. We offer to God. We come before Him and we acknowledge that we are in His debt. And whatever good things we may have received by His fatherly hand, He is the giver of every good and perfect gift, including 
the unspeakable gift, as Paul puts it, of salvation through his Son, but also for all the things needed for body as well as soul. And you know, of course, that in our confession, when we come to the Lord's Prayer and its petitions, we also acknowledge that the principal way, perhaps the most appropriate way of acknowledging in giving thanks to God His bounty is in the way of prayer. I trust the young people and the boys and girls remember that language in the Heidelberg Catechism, that prayer is the principal or the foremost, the chief part of your and my gratitude. And so I think this particular petition, the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, after having prayed, your name be hallowed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are taught Don't forget, this is the Lord's Prayer. He gave it to the disciples in the context of their request. Teach us how to pray, for we don't know how to pray as we should. And if I were to paraphrase our Lord's words by way of this petition, He's instructing us and teaching us how to, through that foremost way whereby we express our thanksgiving to God, that is prayer, we may come before Him and properly express the gratitude that resides within our hearts. Give us this day, Father, we pray in Jesus' name, our daily bread. Now, as we consider this petition, I would have us notice three things. We're going to start by asking the question, what are we saying? You know that our Lord, in His teaching on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, excoriates or is critical of the pagans who pray unthinkingly. They think that if they say a lot of words... They'll get the God's attention and they'll bend their ear and listen to them. That's not how God's people should pray. They should pray knowing, understanding, having a clear sense of what they are asking. How they are to give expression to their gratitude to God. And that's true also of this petition. What does it mean? What are you saying? Have you taken the trouble, it may seem to you so obvious, as not to even require any reflection? What is it to ask God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give us this day our daily bread? Those are rich words. Notice what we're asked to petition. Give us. Grant to us. Provide us. By the way, even the plural, give us, is not insignificant. You don't pray in isolation. You don't pray with indifference. You don't ask for yourself what you do not seek for your brothers and sisters. And I probably am treading on a little thin ice here. I think it was my parents. One of them once said, you mustn't be critical, Cornell, of anyone's praying. 
well, I think you may be in the proper sense at least discerning about how you're praying and how others are praying. And so when we pray, I think it's important that we not use the first person singular too often. And notice that in the modern pattern oftentimes in prayer. It's as though we're in isolation. We're all by ourselves. What about those with whom we are joined in prayer? And so that's just a small point, but it's not unimportant. You don't ask God and give thanks to God without joining together with others in common petition. But notice also, you ask, give us, Father, our Father in heaven, this day. Our daily bread. You don't ask for tomorrow. If I may piggyback a little bit on our Lord's words in that familiar portion of Matthew 6 that we read this morning. You're not to worry about tomorrow. You're not going to add an inch or whatever it is by way of measurement to your stature by worrying about it. It will add nothing. It will grant you nothing. You come before God asking for what is necessary for this particular day. And that's not easy to do. Because we're tempted to fill our barns and stuff our refrigerators. Not one, but two. Usually another in the garage, perhaps in the basement. And not only that, we may have a freezer too. Uh, which is crammed full with goodies that were purchased at a low price at the store for a future day's provision. Well, our Lord wants us to study to when we pray, come before God asking not for tomorrow's provision or next week's provision, or next month or year's provision, storing up for ourselves so that we will be fully supplied for some time to come, but for this day. But even more particularly, he uses a very unusual expression. It's used but once in the entire New Testament. It's usually rendered daily bread. Now, you know, of course, that bread in the Scriptures is, I teach at a seminary, so we use seminarians' words, though we tell our students not to do so when they preach, but it's what the theologians call synecdoche, the part for the whole. That's why our catechism, when it expounds this petition, says, asking for our daily bread is to ask for food and drink. Necessary to our life in the body. As a matter of fact, it properly says, it means to ask God to take care of all our physical needs. We are creatures, bodily creatures, taken from the dust of the ground, and we require for our sustenance, for our strength, for our life to flourish in the body that the Lord would provide for us, not only food and drink, but shelter and clothing. And whatever else is requisite to our bodily needs, 
It's interesting that Martin Luther, in his exposition of this petition, I think rightly captures it well when he says, we're asking, among other things, for food and clothing, house and home, fields and flocks, money and goods, pious parents, children and servants, godly and faithful rulers, good government, seasonable weather, peace and health, order and honor, true friends, good neighbors, and if that weren't enough, he adds, and the like. You are saying to God, everything that appertains and sustains me as your child, as a creature, in life, health, and strength, grant it to me in accordance with the need of this particular day. This day of our Lord... If we were to use these words praying today at the dinner table, we would be asking the Lord, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in Christ's name, to take care of us, feed us, nourish us, supply us all that is for our bodily good for this day of our Lord, November, what is it, 24. 2019. You might even say that that language of our daily bread is sort of on analogy to what if you were in the military service and on the front lines and you're not able to enjoy a filet mignon or a fine drink at a lovely restaurant with a loved one. You get what is called your daily ration. I haven't been in the service, so I don't know what that's like, but it doesn't sound very appetizing. But it's probably uh, developed and granted to you with particular care that it would provide you with appropriate strength, good health, and vigor, vitality for whatever it is you're called upon in the arduous labor and circumstance that is yours as a member of a particular service. Now, you may say to me, Dr. Venema, all of what you're telling us is it's sort of Catechism 101. But it's very important that you have a clear picture of what God in Christ authorizes you to ask of Him when you give thanks for His provision for your life from day to day, that you pray, give us this day our daily bread. Sustain me in life and in strength. Provide for all of my bodily need what is in accordance with my good. It's interesting that our confession says that even the enjoyment of that which God provides us is granted and sought by us in this petition from day to day. But now, if that's what we're praying, and that's how we give thanks, you might say, well, that sounds more like it's asking that it is giving thanks. I never forget the interesting observation that John Calvin makes in his Institutes. Did you know that when you ask something of God... 
It's really, says Calvin, your way of thanking him in advance and expressing your confidence that that which you seek from him, he alone is the one who gives it. So it's a giving thanks as well as a petitioning for. The two are two sides of one coin. But here's the second question that we need to ask ourselves, not What are we asking? And how does it express what we seek from God? But what does it assume? Or what does it presuppose? And here the response has to be quite simply two things. Two, again, very closely interrelated and and inseparable things. First of all, absolute dependence. Complete and entire Continuous and never ceasing. Like a little child who can do nothing for himself, but depends entirely upon the child's mother or father for what is needed. Childlike dependence upon God's provision. Did you notice when I read this morning from Deuteronomy chapter 8, it's a very striking passage where the Lord reminds His people that who they are and everything they have and have received by God's covenant hand in the fulfillment of His promise, bringing them into a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of bounty, How the Lord strikingly recognizes and therefore reminds them of how He had provided them, even in the wilderness, day to day with daily bread manna. You do remember that the children of Israel, after a while, became, dare I say, sick and tired of that daily staple, that provision fatherly, that the Lord granted to them. But he said, I did that to discipline you, to remind you that I am the source, the one who brought water from the flinty rock, the one who provided bread upon your table from day to day to discipline you, to instruct you, to teach you something that you might be tempted to forget when you by my hand prosper in the land. You talk about a word in season, it could well be written for you and me. We live in a land, it's not the land of promise, but we do live in a land of plenty. We do live in a land of bounty. We're not even aware of how plentiful and bountiful is the land and place where God has brought us. And what will the children of Israel, according to the Lord's word, be tempted to say? Well, look at me. Look at my richly furnished table. My beautiful house and shelter. My closet full of clothes beyond anything that would really be necessary, least of all for a day, let alone for many months, even years to come. 
Look at what my strength, my prowess, my hand has accomplished for me. Now, none of us, I suspect, myself included, would want for a second to say in the presence of God that nothing of that has ever crept into our thinking. I can remember, just to tell you a little story, when I was a young student, newly married, went to school, graduate, uh, graduate school for some eight years after we were married. And so we were living on a shoestring, kind of day to day, month to month. Even had to borrow money on a few occasions from relatives to see us through. And then, in God's providence, graduate school's done, and I'm now called to the ministry, and I'm actually receiving compensation. I thought I was rich beyond measure. Uh, so much so that I, I said, I'm going to have some cash in my wallet from here on out. That way, when we're going back to Pella, and when father-in-law insists on footing the bill which he's done for us now these several years, I'm going to beat him to the punch. I'm going to grab that bill and I'm going to pay it. Well, if you know my father-in-law, you know it didn't work. He didn't let me pay it even when I could. Uh, He insisted on footing the bill. And I didn't like it. It robbed me of the opportunity to say, I have where the wherewithal to get this done. Now, what's the point of the story? The point of the story is it sort of reflects that natural instinct of ours that resists the recognition and acknowledgement that I have nothing. Not one red cent. Not one half penny. That is ultimately because of who I am and what I've done. And you say, well, Dr. Benjamin, you overstate the matter. No, I don't. Paul says, now he's talking about larger issues, but they're encompassing of this smaller issue too. What do you have? That's part of, if you're praying this prayer, not unwittingly, but with your thinking cap on, Give us, Father, this day our daily bread. Did you mean it? Really? Today, my life, sustenance, provision, strength, whatever is necessary to my bodily good, give it, Father, Because I depend upon your provision. I noticed I'm in my sister-in-law's house on the weekend. She has a lovely engraving on the wall that says something like this. Remember, this is the first day. You've heard that expression. Seems trite, maybe. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Well, let me say to you, brothers and sisters, this is the first day, the only day that counts just now, 
so far as your reliance upon God's provision is concerned. If you're going to get through this day, it'll be by God's fatherly hand. And dare I say, we know that too as a family. Really does bring home to you, doesn't it? What a bountiful Father we have that He gives us so much down to the smallest drink, food, shirt, pants, whatever it might be. It's a monumental testimony to His fatherly care for His children. There's another thing here, and it's not just childlike dependence, it's also trust. You know those familiar words of our Lord Jesus Christ, if your heavenly Father clothes the sparrows, the grass of the field, feeds the birds of the air, who neither toil nor labor for anything, how much more valuable are His dear children loved in Christ for whom He will provide. Today, wait till tomorrow to recognize it afresh what is needed. There is no father, boys and girls, in this room that you'll ever meet or know who cares more for His children and for what they really need than the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can be confident. You can trust. You can be sure that He will provide for you. The prophet Jeremiah says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the woman who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its root by the stream. Or again, the psalmist says in Psalm 145, The eyes of all look to you, O Lord, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Father exhibits to us from day to day in all of His provisions how much He loves, cares, is, un, is mindful of and attentive to the needs of His children. And when you pray, if you pray knowing whereof you ask, our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. You are like a little child who expresses not only this kind of absolute dependence, but this kind of trust that He will do it. He will provide. And that means, in the last place, and this is not unimportant, brothers and sisters, to recognize it's the point Jesus is wanting to make, particularly in Matthew 6, that we will not be the kind of people who are consumed and whose lives are spent in the endless, relentless pursuit of the accumulation of things that are not enduring or lasting. 
will not be overcome by worry to the point of paralysis. Because we'll put things in their proper perspective. We'll recognize that a man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. As our Lord puts it in Matthew 6, because all of this is true, you are free from worldly care, undue worry, fretfulness, and certainly from a murmuring, complaining spirit. You can eat and drink and be strengthened by what God provides in order to spend your life and be spent not in obtaining your daily bread, but in seeking first God's kingdom. You know, it's very important to recognize that the Lord's Prayer is crafted. We ask for our daily bread within the framework of seeking firstly and foremostly the hallowing of God's name, the doing of His will, the seeking of His kingdom. And in order to that end, Father, provide us the bread sufficient to strengthen us to seek first your kingdom and its righteousness. And you know, brothers and sisters, we live in a culture and a society that has everything turned around. People work and labor in order to eat Drink and be merry. We eat and drink in order to giving praise and thanksgiving to the giver and the overflowing fountain of all good, the seeking of his kingdom. And those things that are enduring, that last, that have significance not just for this life, but the life to come. For us, living doesn't consist, first of all, in eating and drinking. It consists in seeking first God's kingdom and its righteousness. And we do that within the framework of a settled conviction that our Father in heaven will provide for us. Are you a person who is giving thanks? The simple test is, do you know how to pray? Give us this day, Father, our daily bread. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, make us understand how much we depend upon you. How much in every way we rely upon your provision from day to day. Let us take nothing for granted, but receive with thankfulness all the things that we've received by your fatherly hand. May we be the kind of people who know that food and drink are necessary, but they do not comprise the end for which we exist. They provide the means whereby we are strengthened for the seeking of your kingdom and its righteousness. Grant to us 